I am Adam, co-host of Sequel Quest. Fabulous podcasting powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magical microphone and said, By the power of Sequel Quest, I have the power! Three others share this secret. Our mighty producer, Jeremy, resident jokester, Justin, and man at opinions, Jeff. Now you can listen in to the show with the most powerful podcasters in the universe. And with that, we welcome you to a very special episode of Sequel Quest. You may have already guessed the uh, topic of this week's episode, but I will just say up top that we are without Justin this evening. He unfortunately has been uh, captured and we must rescue him from Snake Mountain after the show tonight. So our prayers are with you. By the sorceress, Justin, we will avenge you. Something like that. Anyway, we are excited to have you here. You know, let's just talk up top. Uh, If you haven't been over to Sequel Quest, pause com. Visit the website. You know, take a look in, at the archives, the schedule of upcoming episodes. Feel free to shoot us an email or, you know, tweet at us on Twitter at SQPod. We would just love to hear from you, especially a five-star rating and a review on iTunes is really going to help the show. If you're listening week in, week out, let us know what you like. Uh, we hope that you enjoy today's episode because it is going to be a lot of fun. Jeremy, why don't you tell us what we're going to be covering? Oh, joy. This episode first off did everyone watch it recently oh yes jeff did you watch it (laughs) unfortunately yeah Uh, that was my thoughts exactly this week we are covering the 1987 (laughs) semi-classic cult failure by the pecs of dolph lundgren masters of the universe (laughs) whatever you talk about it's just an excuse to get loud isn't it yes it totally is didn't he not actually do it? Like, he had what? He did said that two times in the whole movie? Okay, yeah. It was at the very end that he got his sword and he actually struck the pose. And but nothing changes. Nothing. He's still He-Man. He's still Dolph Lundgren. Still nothing. He-Man. Well, and he never actually said by the power of Grayskull, did he? No, just I have the power. Right. Yeah. He did right. as much as he could. <laughs> so... Are we? Are we? Is there some form of an intro, or are we just getting right into bashing this horrible? Movie? <laughs> well, we're kind of doing a little, a little of both. Let me run down the IMDb synopsis here. Uh, this one is written by Jonathan Broxton. Is that the baseball pitcher? Oh, uh, maybe not. <laughs> All right, fantasy action adventure about the war-torn planet Eternia and Castle Grayskull, which is coming under threat from the evil Skeletor, who wants to take over the planet. A group of freedom fighters, led by the heroic He-Man, are accidentally transported to Earth by the mysterious cosmic key, which holds the power to make Skeletor all-powerful. Once on Earth, He-Man and his company team up with two teenagers as they attempt to find the key and return home. However, Skeletor and his vile minions are soon hot on their trail while he waits for the evil, for the great eye of the universe that will bestow godlike powers upon him. There you go. Yeah, it makes it sound pretty epic. They certainly were trying to be epic. Now, I, I feel like before we get into the movie itself, because should so we, much to Should talk we talk about, about canon first off, or <laughs> Dolph films. Lundgren's uh, contract, or... <laughs> They're the 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 uh, they really need to do a documentary on the making of this film. Much more interesting than the film than itself. the actual film. And there has been a lot of work Which by people. Which is not online. saying much, to be honest. With you. <laughs> oh, truly. Um, well, 
also like the movies that they put on hold to do this movie. Yeah. So so for people who don't know, Canon Films. Uh, and that's Canon with two ends. Two ends. And it is basically masterminded, headed by these two cousins from Israel. And and they also it was you would always call it a Golan Globus production. If you saw Golan Globus before a film, you knew you were in for something cheap with a lot of action and basically you know probably a washed up star here yeah. or there, or a current star that they paid way too much money to. They were responsible for films like Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone, oh, did they? the arm oh. wrestling film, which yeah. he refused several times until they just they paid him so much money. He's like, what the heck? nobody's gonna see this anyway exactly yeah <laughs> he's like i'll take the money and do it I mean, it doesn't i mean they, wasn't they, it like 15 million dollars yeah, they paid him yeah the whole wow. the whole film in total cost 25 million to make and most of it was still most of salary. it was still own salary yeah and i mean so th- that's what they were famous for like they took charles bronson they took the death wish franchise and just extended it to its most ridiculous you know they think they made like four sequels to it they eventually ended up with the rights to the superman films somehow yeah they made superman four yeah the quest yeah. for peace and they were holding on to the rights to Spider-Man. Can Spider-Man. you believe it? Can you imagine? I, w- <laughs> I almost want to see a canon film with Spider-Man. Yeah, James Cameron was the one that was going to direct it. I mean, he was, was the he one really? that was developing that. So that would have been a, a really interesting film. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the only thing that would have been missing uh, from that Spider-Man film, I think, what would it be? Arm wrestling. Right. Uh. Anyway. But like I say, so, so that's the production company. We're going to get into some more details as to really what went down in the making of this film but i'm just curious when we talk about masters of the universe we're talking about he-man and the masters of the universe the cartoon that was inspired by the toy line which that you know so which then inspired the live action film right so it's it's kind of a lot of people in their minds they have the chicken or the egg thing okay was it a toy line was it a cartoon first for everybody's understanding it was a toy line by mattel first and then they went to Lou Scheimer over at Filmation and said, hey, can you make a cartoon right. essentially to help us promote you know, the toy line, which was a lot of controversy in the 80s about you know, marketing directly to children with a TV show. But what's interesting, I don't, I don't know, did you guys, I mean, Jeremy, I think it might have been a little bit beyond your time, or were you involved with He-Man at all? In uh, I was born the year this movie came out, so <laughs> I did not see this one up until a week ago when I saw this. Now, what, what about the toys or the cartoon? Were you aware of it? How did I, you find out? Uh, the He-Man cartoon, I'm sure I, I saw it. Like, I wasn't a regular, like, scheduled time to go sit down and watch this. It was, I saw it every once in a while. Like, I was cognizant of it, mm-hmm. but not, I have to make time to go watch He-Man. I, I think the most He-Man I've watched has been a Netflix binge here or there over the last five or six years when I've had nothing to do. And, mm-hmm. oh, He-Man, I think I remember this. Let's watch it. Yeah, so so I mean, I, I think that's you know probably a lot of the case for for people of your generation. It's like yeah, that He Man thing. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. Jeff, what about you? Where where do you fall into the He Man uh, experience? Uh, well, for one, I mean, like Jeremy, well, I I guess I'm even lesser than Jeremy in the movie. Like I I wasn't even 
sure I had heard of this movie before we suggested it. I've I saw it literally 24 hours ago. So uh, <laughs> you win. No, yeah, no no information about it whatsoever. The cartoon I probably watched it as a kid, but I was much more like I had these action figures. Oh boy, like my family. Like I know I went to friends' houses that had like every single He-Man character. For me, we had I think I had two. I think I had one of He-Man. Actually, it might have even been a He-Man. It might have been like Man of Arms or like, you know, He-Man was probably the good one. So I had like the offshoot or whatever. And then I remember I had Stinkor. And so I would just battle <laughs> those two against each other all day long. Tell us about um, Stinkor, Jeff, for those who don't know. So Stinkor, and I feel like he's come up before, but... and. Some of it I seem to remember. Now, some of it I'm, I'm going to use from memory, and some of it I, I've looked up. But I seem to remember him looking like a bumblebee. I, I feel like that was – maybe he even had wings. But Stinkor's whole thing was that he stunk. Like, he was just a bad – like, literally a bad-smelling toy. <laughs> and But that was just something that was so bizarre. I mean, this bee that just smelled horribly. Yeah, no, just just to be clear, Jeff, you're actually mixing two. There was a bee character named Buzz-Off, who was fantastic. And then Stinkor actually looked like a skunk. But he had orange armor. So he was was like a skunk man. And then he had an orange armor. And he had an actual face mask like to block out his own stink that covered his nose and mouth, (laughs) which is hilarious. I don't remember any of that. I just seemed, then I did mix those two up in my brain. Uh, But I have looked it up that they did say that um, the Stinkor's amazing, excuse me, amazing stink was created by adding patchoula oil into the plastic as it was molded. Many Stinkor figures still smell terribly to this day. So quite a idea. All those parents love these children for wanting this toy. <laughs> well, and it's just like the Cabbage Patch dolls always smelled like baby powder. So it's like, you know, it's kind of like the exact opposite. You got Stinkor and Cabbage Patch kids <laughs> infused with that scent forever. Nasty. Uh, now, uh, just go- getting back into the toys real quick. There, there's quite a debate in the world of Masters of the Universe fandom. If you don't know this, um, I, I've actually I've been reading up on it the last year. It, is this the was He-Man actually a Conan the Barbarian toy that was repainted? Well, that that so that's one school of thought is that and and the the story goes that the you know uh, Mattel actually did have to pay a settlement to the Conan you know, rights holders. Right. Um, but but the, the real debate is over who created the He-Man character. Oh. Now, there's this one guy, his name is Roger Sweet, and he was like the head designer over at Mattel at the time of, of the boys' action line. Yeah. And what had happened is Mattel had passed on doing Star Wars. So George Lucas, you know, his whole deal with Fox was I get all merchandising rights. Right. And so he went to Mattel and said, hey, do you want to make action figures for my space movie? And they said, forget you. Nobody cares about this. That's not true. They actually said it sounds like a good idea, but it's not. We want to do it if it's a TV show, not a one-off movie uh, toy line. Because the movie's there and then it's gone. Nobody will buy it. They wanted promotion. So they passed on it. And then a few years later, they saw how well it did. And And we got to come up with a boy's action figure line. So they started developing this. And this guy, Roger Sweet, supposedly like sculpted these figures. And they were like, you know, big muscle men. And but they had like space guns and armor and all this other stuff. So he is he wrote a book called Mastering the Universe. where He details everything, you know, date by date. These are all the files I kept. But there's this guy named Mark Taylor 
who was also like a, he was like a concept artist at Mattel, and he said, "Oh no, I created a He-Man years before this. I was drawing characters like that all the time." So he's the one who has always been in the limelight saying i created he-man goes yeah. to the conventions and all that stuff so there's actually a documentary coming out called toy masters oh no that like you know, pits them against each other and tries to solve the mystery and get the real story and so you know keep an eye out because that's coming out pretty soon they just finished it it's uh pretty interesting but um anyway so i, I just bring that up because you know the the toys were like they made like billions of dollars like it was this huge thing for a few years they made so much money really it was like a two-year run that was like really big and then it started kind of like dwindling off you know and but but you know they they the real problem was that they overdid it so they oversaturated yeah. the marketplace there was so much and then the toy stores were like toys were like take this back people don't <laughs> want them anymore too much too much and then ninja turtles came on the scene and everything else he-man was old news but for me, like, you know, I, I was a kid, you know, enjoying those figures, you know, in the in the late 80s when it was tapering off. But I didn't know any different. I was watching the cartoon. Right. You know, I had the underoos, you know, it's so like <laughs> when, when, when you're wearing underwear devoted to a character, you know, you're deep, you know. Yeah. I, I had a plastic, you know, light up He-Man power sword and a, a He-Man bot bag that I would just bash for the <laughs> sword, you know, like. So, I, you know, I, I was I was all for it. And like, you know, Jeff had his favorite characters. My favorite was they were all something or, you know, usually. Yeah. So so I, I right. had I had Spike Or, who was a purple guy with like just big rubber spikes all over him and this little trident arm that kind of came out like <laughs> back and forth. And then the other guy that I loved was King Hiss, who was one of the snake men. Yeah. And he had this like human shell that was like plastic and you could break it off. And inside was like a skeleton made of snakes. So his body, his <laughs> arms were snakes, and then like his head, you know, like so it was just three snakes intertwined that made a body. Wow. Yeah, it was a great toy line. They they were amazing. But now, you know, what what happens, right, is that the cartoon is still a big deal. They make She-Ra, you know, He-Man's sister. There's a spin-off. Yeah, they ended He-Man right. in order to do She-Ra, which yeah. is stupid because you should have just kept them going parallel. Right. I guess they figured, you know, Nobody had world course. building in mind at yeah, that point. Absolutely. <laughs> Je- Jeff, did you ever watch She-Ra? No. Although I feel <laughs> like my sister... I don't know that my sister actually watched it. It was just kind of the assumption that we couldn't watch it unless my sister was around. But uh, yeah, I had very little. <laughs> See, that was the only time it was acceptable. Oh no, this Market girl's watching targeting. it. Right, yeah. exactly. I'm not watching. My cousin right. had like the the Shira Palace. I remember. So when I'd visit them, I'd play with her Shira toys, uh, action dolls as opposed to action figures. <laughs> then they made the movie, right? So the movie starts coming around. And it's just, it, it was so weird because I didn't see the movie in theaters, but I remember renting it like a year later in like 1988. And it's like, okay, they made a He-Man movie? <laughs> you know, like I had no idea. And I was like so excited to rent this thing. And that was, so Jeff watched it 24 hours ago. Jeremy watched it about just a week ago. A week ago. And I've been sitting with this thing for 30 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just like I, I, I own it on DVD. <laughs> I, I love this movie. I think it is... It's not a great interpretation of Masters of the Universe by any means. No. But it but it, it has a charm to it. it. It is kind of sweet. Now, when I was listening up to a couple of podcasts on this movie to kind of get a little general feel of everything around this, 
This is actually like the second or third attempt at a He-Man movie, from what I heard. Really? Okay. I, I had not seen I that will have to look history. up. The I know that's been the case ones. since then, but I didn't know they were trying to do it before then. Yeah, that's interesting. I think they tried once before and it didn't do well. <laughs> well, well, they did an animated movie called The Secret of the Sword. That, that, oh, that was that's She-Ra. it. Okay. It interviews She-Ra. Yes. Yeah. And then they did a Christmas special, which is pretty oh, great. That, that was the other one. Yeah. Okay, so this that was, was the, the first one. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Oh, those, those are great. But now, uh, one thing I'll just throw into this. The the movie itself, um, the director, Gary Goddard, now, he, he was not a film director prior to this. Um, he we actually, can tell. Yeah. <laughs> he had some interesting credits to his name. One is that he actually created the 80s version of the Candyland characters. So if you ever played that board game in the 80s, he ran the agency that designed, like, you know, the look of King Candy and, you know, who, who, you know all these different huh. characters, Queen Frostine and whatever. So <laughs> when you ever play the game, know that there's a, a Masters of the Universe connection there. But his other major credit, and Jeff, you could tell me if you remember this growing up in, in Southern California when you weren't busy surfing and combing your long right. blonde hair, uh, which we long all did. <laughs> Poor Jeff. That he was the guy who was behind the Conan the Barbarian stage show at Universal Studios. <laughs> If, no, if you ever saw this, you know that that was He-Man brought to life, basically. Like, there were there's snakes with, like, laser eyes that shot the Conan and Red Sonya are fighting bad guys with giant swords. They're all oiled up in their loincloths. Like, it was, like, a full-on, like, production. Jeff, did you ever see that? No, I remember seeing commercials about it, but, the, yeah, yeah, that's about it. it. It was heavily featured in the commercials. So, but he was the guy who was in charge of that. So when... He got wind of, oh, they're making a Masters of the Universe movie. He kind of threw his name in there and like, yeah, this is our guy. Yeah. You know, they brought him <laughs> on board. Um, and then so, but like we've been talking about with Canon Films, right? Yeah. Like they at this point, they, they had been doing like low budget, like Chuck Norris movies and all these other, you know, like the Missing in Action series, all these things. And they were ready to like take it to the big time. So, like, they invested so much money and made tens of millions of dollars in these films. And this was, like, at the end of their bank account, basically. Right. <laughs> Literally, they, yeah. they stopped production of this movie before they filmed the finale. <laughs> yeah. So, so they, they, got, they got, like, most three-fourths of the movie done. And they're like, uh, we're out of money. Done. Bye, everybody. And somehow they convinced them to, uh, we need like a million dollars to come back and finish the final battle scene. Yeah, it was actually Mattel that there was something where they had like a million dollar uh, payment that was being made to them. And they said, look, we'll waive that if you give this film an ending, please. Oh. And so so they, basically <laughs> that's where the other million came from. And I believe that uh, the director put a little extra money in too. Wow. To basically have them show up and film like in a darkened sound stage with like a couple colored lights of he-man and skeletor fighting because really they'd already up. torn the set apart yeah it was done <laughs> like show was over <laughs> they're like okay now we have an ending but if you think about it like all the characters disappear oh yeah like, it was just the two of them yeah at that like point. where is everybody <laughs> like what happened there's no resolution to any of the bad guys evil in or anybody no. else like just skeletor dies end of movie you know like, or does he oh yes <laughs> so but um, the, the other thing I'll just mention real quick, and this is like with most Masters of the Universe fans, especially if you were a kid back in the day, like there was the Jar Jar Binks of the He-Man universe, although he wasn't as hated, you know, ultimately was Orko. 
Right. He, he was the yes. comic relief little floating magician, you know? <laughs> and he was, I loved him. He was my favorite character back in the day. And when this movie came out, there's no Orko. Instead, he's replaced by Billy Barty playing a hobbit. Gwildor. <laughs> Gwildor, yeah. And I'm like, Gwildor? And so I was. I remember being so upset the first, like, ten minutes of the film. I'm like, who is this guy? But then, for those who haven't seen the film, the first ten minutes takes place in Eternia. So you actually get, like, He-Man-style action. You get some desert scene Eternia. Right. And then there's this thing called the Cosmic Key, which is this Gwildor character created, which allows you to travel between dimensions and time and whatever. They end up going to Earth. So He-Man, Man-at-Arms, Tila, they end up being sent to Earth just to get away from Skeletor uh, during a battle. And now they're stranded. So the rest of the movie takes place on Earth in a little small town in California. (laughs) And it's like that. You can see the budget, you know, right there on the screen. But that's where I fell in love with Gwildor. Because there's a scene where they're they're kind of exploring the world around them. There's a chicken shack where uh, Courtney Cox's character. (laughs) Courtney Cox is essentially the main character of this film, by the way. And uh, there's a couple making out in a convertible. And in the backseat of the convertible is a bucket of fried chicken. And Gwildor launches a grappling hook claw and it steals the bucket of chicken. And then he's eating the chicken. And then he's got this this watery uh, cup of barbecue sauce that he, you know, pours on his face. It doesn't even go in his mouth. It just goes all over his beard. But I just anything with a grappling hook for me when I was like four or five is like, I love it. So they, okay, they, I must have totally spaced out in this movie because the that? scene you described, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I remember oh, Man like, at Arms sitting there eating the chicken and Tila yeah. saying, "What are? Why are they on white sticks?" And he's like, "It's meat." And she's like, "Oh, I'm done." Yeah. <laughs> and right. Well, that's, that that takes place right after the grappling hook. That's how. They okay. Get that's the where they got the chicken. <laughs> I do have yeah. to say. That was, in my opinion, the only person that gave a halfway different, decent uh, uh, performance in this entire film was Billy Barty. Billy Barty is always <laughs> Billy Barty. He's magnificent. Everybody else. And, man, I love Frank Langella, but, oh, Frank, come on. Really? How many bad movies has uh, this man made? But, but, but he was so, like, he's so committed to it. However terrible the movie is, like, he is giving a performance. Oh, he always does. Yeah. But one... Like, one, his dialogue, every single line out of his mouth, it's like, oh, just let him improv because this is, oh. <laughs> and his face, that is the worst. Look, just make him look like a skeleton. Why is he some half human? Oh, okay, so horrible. coming back to the face and just about everything else prop-wise in this movie, Canon was so cheap, they made a prototype and used it. They didn't even refine them, didn't shrink them down. Like, uh, Evil Lynn her chest piece of armor that she wore was like 50, 60 pounds. She was saying she had groin bruises because she couldn't move in that suit. Yeah, well, and, and like the guy who played Blade, who was one of the, right. one of the henchmen, he had he had mesh armor that was made of pipe, like pipe that like was just horrible. Cut. Oh <laughs> and, my and goodness! He couldn't move hardly, you know, to, to attack people. And he's the swordsman. Yeah. That's why they brought him in was to do the sword fight coordinating and be Blade, and he couldn't even move in his own suit to do it. Yeah, it was just, it was, 
a crazy like production we look at. No, the the truth is though, I look at this movie. It's it's right up there with Howard the Duck with like pretty good production values overall, <laughs> like for the eighties, but just really poor execution and, and kind of an all, all over the place story. I would have to watch Howard the Duck before I agree with that. Oh, movie. you got you got to check it out. Maybe we have to do that for a future episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Howard the Duck, huh? No what? comment. Sorry, we will really take that as a no. Here. So uh, now the other thing that I'll just mention about this movie that it's definitely not a kids movie per se. It, it's kind of stupid, but it's not like kidified because there's blood in this yeah. movie. Like I mean, there's there the, all of Skeletor's henchmen come in, Beast Man and Blade and Sorod and Karg and these like new characters that they just created. They had a, a universe of characters to bring in. They did and they not. make their own bad guys. They make their own bad guys, but they they attack this janitor. At, at a high school, and, like, his face is, like, bloodied. I was, like, I remember as a kid just being, like, <gasps> like, I was so scared of, like, they were actually killing this guy. And then later, like, the Kevin, who's, like, the love interest boyfriend guy, yeah. gets punched in the face, and he's got a bloody nose. And I was just, like, this, like, absolutely, you would absolutely have none of that on the cartoon. And now Masters of the Universe is giving it to us full force. It's, like, heavy-duty action, you know? I thought an interesting thing, too, that I was reading, I was reading about it today, and they said that if you watch all, I think there was, what, 160? episodes of the original he-man if you watch every single episode of he-man he-man never once strikes another human being like he never punches anybody all he ever does is throw people yeah and i mean he doesn't actually he'll maybe like fight with his sword but he never actually stabs anyone with his sword so like you're saying it's fascinating and which i think what the problem well there are so many but one of the main problems that this film for some reason tried to do is that they tried to make it a sci-fi movie and i have no idea why they gave everybody guns why did he-man even have a sword in this movie like the, well, the sword did nothing well because everyone <laughs> was just such lousy shots they kept missing him he blocked okay. a couple with his sword which made no sense <laughs> from an outsider's perspective this is a mashup of star wars and conan and they're trying yeah, to make exactly. He-Man's sword work like a lightsaber, where he could deflect the laser shots from black stormtroopers that couldn't hit the mark. Oh, my gosh. I mean, like, that was, what was it, that opening scene where they took cover, <laughs> and they're shooting every which way, and they're taking them out one by one. I'm like, don't run. Just stay here. You're going to take them all out. Oh. Now, the other person we, we haven't really brought up at all this, we're saying He-Man, but we're not talking about Dolph Lundgren, fresh off Rocky IV huh. as Ivan the Russian, right? And he, he's supposedly the star of this movie, you would uh. think. Which is funny because they wanted to dub, they wanted to bring in an American actor to dub over his voice, mm -hmm. but his contract stipulated he gets three tries to dub over his own voice <laughs> to get rid of his accent. Well, Cannon was too cheap to allow him a third try, so they just said, oh well, we'll go with it after two attempts. Yeah. Well, but like, it, it, I don't know if they like reduced his role because of it or if it's just how the movie was written. I'm but, pretty sure that's how it was written. But He Man's like, he's just there but you're not following his journey he has no emotion he you know what i'm saying like he has no character arc that you're like oh this he-man we care about him because of this it's just like no he's he-man and he fights people he's literally the action figure brought to life and you're just like oh this is so sad well he only he only has like five lines in the whole movie yeah, and they're right. all like you are safe now or something like that and 
Well, and that's the, the, the part for me, and I know even like my wife kind of poked her head in when we were, when I was watching it, is the crazy thing is, is that the movie like starts in the middle where there is no like, who is this He-Man? Why is he fighting Skeletor? Where is he? Like, who are the people around him? Nothing. You get none of that. Like, I still, after watching the entire movie, I mean, they don't even say his name is He-Man until about 20 minutes in. Like, it's just a very poor... Granted, I, I, I kind of see where they're going, where they jump into the action and get you hooked from that point. But even the but action don't. we got, it wasn't that well, hooking. Well, right. And there's no, there's never, they never get to a point where they take you back, where like he man explain and fill in yeah. anything not nothing you just say oh well the adventure's continuing we, we know what we got to do there, and... there was no point where they laid pipe yeah and in laying right. pipe this is may sound different to our listeners but it's where you lay out the story and connect things just verbally in dialogue and we got none of that now at the same time though i think you know they were just assuming you know what the people who are seeing this movie know all about this and they've seen the cartoon yeah and they they don't need backstory like we're selling this to the kids right now whoever we can get into the theater while while there's still some name recognition with he-man but you know the other character that i love in this film is james tolkien who most people know from oh, Back the to cop, the Future. The cop, yeah. yes. Who plays oh my know, Detective gosh. Lubick. No one well, takes pop shots one at Lubick. dimension of his character from, from he's just yeah. the yelling version from <laughs> Back to the Future. Oh, and he, but yeah, he's basically the, the cop that is kind of in pursuit of the main character high school kids like he's implicating them in the burning down of this high school gym yeah. like and he's and then he somehow gets swept up and by the end of it he ends up on Eternia with them and just decides to stay he ended up oh. with a woman he's like this he looks like this roman you know emperor guy <laughs> like he's just like life is good you know like he's, he's not going anywhere but he's just he's such a fun presence in the movie because he's just like huh, huh. and whenever they turn on the cosmic key uh, it does this tone and this like kind of rainbow shiny light like display. glitter over the top of it yeah but i love his first time seeing it like he's just he's touching his face and he's just like he's just like doing everything he can because he's got to fill like 30 seconds of staring at nothing right <laughs> and it's just awesome to watch his reaction well and it's also funny when they use it and there's a group of like two or three of them all looking at it they're looking at different places yeah it's it's, it's definitely one of those things where you're just like okay well just guys uh, shining light everybody take a look this is a fantastic thing which i do have to say the design of the cosmic key is pretty cool like it's yeah, got it's interesting <laughs> spinning tuning forks and you know magic <laughs> buttons i don't know yes. but it's well and the whole thing like and and i haven't watched all 160 episodes of of he-man is there something about the tones of the universe where do we come up with this concept <laughs> They just made it up for the, although let's make it a musical sort of a thing. <laughs> well, it was the 80s. Silly. Yeah, synthesizers, man. It was yeah. all about Let's have a synthesizer. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, you know, as we get closer here to, to throw our pitches in to see what could possibly have come next in this, in this saga, the one thing I have to say that I've taken away from this film after all these years, you know how, like, good movies, people quote them? Yeah, <laughs> I I have quoted this movie again for, you know, 20 some years since I watched it. And that is the concept of in Eternia. They say we don't say goodbye. We say good journey. And they have this little like hand gesture that they do. But 
I just loved that concept as a kid. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's so cool. Like, you say good journey. So, like, I have, like, just on occasions throughout my life when I'm at a party or I'm meeting somebody, you know, like, and then we're leaving. I'm like, hey, wait, goodbye, man. We'll see you later. You know what? We don't say goodbye. We say good journey. (laughs) (laughs) Crickets, silence. But I'm still holding out hope that somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. They've seen the film and they will respond properly. (laughs) But I've yet to meet that person. But I just, I think that's that's just great. Good journey. Oh, boy. Okay. So. And and that's another one that's just from the movie, right? It wasn't in the show? Correct. Yeah. They just made it up. That's part of their mythology. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But by the way, just so you guys understand, like, Anything we come up with for pitches tonight is no more off the wall than what these professionals who are officially licensed to do these things. The movie has nothing to do with the cartoon, hardly. The cartoon really has nothing to do with the action figures had mini comics that yeah. had like folklore to them. That had nothing to do with <laughs> like, like every everybody just interpreted the He-Man universe differently for themselves. So whatever we do might as well be canon. You know, <laughs> you can just right. take it to heart, you know. Which I did want to throw out, and hopefully it won't ruin anybody's, but apparently they did actually have plans to make Masters of the Universe 2. Yes. And it was going to be, what, Laird John Hamilton as (laughs) He-Man. Correct. Because Dolph Lundgren said he refused to be in another one. (laughs) And it was going to be He-Man back on Earth, disguised as a pro quarterback, and Skeletor (laughs) would be back masquerading as an evil CEO by the name of Aaron Dark. Wow. So, well, so that shot that, my we've pitch. Gotta, <laughs> we've got to top that one. Yeah. But basically, so basically what you're saying is He-Man became Flash Gordon. It, well, right. yeah, except for minus the adventure. It's going to clash in reverse. <laughs> he goes from an interesting place back to the, the Jets. Well, and do you know what that movie became? Because they, they were developing yes. it. Yes. And then it did not happen. So, Jeremy, what, what happened with that it movie? It became Cyborg. Starring? I have no idea. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, that's right. This is like one of the very last canon films they were able to eke out. So if you see Cyborg with Jean-Claude Van Damme, there's costumes and sets that were developed for Masters of the Universe Universe 2. So you can get your little bit of a preview there in case you were (laughs) curious. But wow, Jean-Claude Van Damme. They got them all. Canon, they did it, man. Like Went out of business, yes, but in a ball of flaming, I don't know what it was, flaming something. But it was exciting. They got all these future or washed up stars at some point to to headline their movies. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, so in in vain of that, like there was an end scene at the end of the credits where Skeletor pops up out of the water, the red water, I believe, and says, I'll be back. (laughs) Which, and of course, freeze frame. You know, like after he says that, which is just epic. I love that. Frank Langella, I salute you because, yeah, he was he was so game for it. Now, he he keeps quoting or keeps stating that this is one of his most proud moments. Wouldn't you say that? That's a fun movie. That's a fun (laughs) movie to be a part of. I think every actor wants to play like pure evil, like the ultimate villain. So you could just be playing to the back of the room, like just be so huge. So I just imagine that's probably why he enjoyed it so much. Possibly. All right, Jeff. Did you see, uh, uh, well, what was it? Cutthroat Island? Played that one that way. (laughs) I heard he was pretty buff in that movie. He was. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And he sword fought so much better than Skeletor with his (laughs) whatever. 
Well, he wasn't wearing that gigantic headdress. So. Yeah, and then the robe. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. That was golden samurai god. Yeah. yeah that was, what were you doing? As I said, they made a prototype and never finished. <laughs> All right, Jeff, lead us off with tonight's pitches. All right. So for me, I am absolutely 100% rebooting this movie. There will be no connection, no acknowledgement of this first one ever actually existing. So for me, I want to begin, I kind of see it like the three different ways debating between, I kind of was thinking about like having like a fairy tale intro, not in the like, I don't know, just in the sense of like maybe even starting it off with Once Upon a Time to kind of give it that sort of an aura and that sort of a feel. Um, But then I kind of thought, well, either in addition to or instead of what if we did like kind of like freeze frames of a comic book page except for it wasn't really known as a comic book so I said we could do freeze frames of like retro cartoon but that might lose people so then we could do freeze frames of like paintings or something like that where it's kind of like a like a not retrospective but you know it's like it's telling a story but not animated it's doing it in in freeze frames so we start off again once upon a time something like that and we see that there's an astronaut and uh, she's flying all by herself and she's off course and she ends up hitting the uh, gravity of a planet which uh, in pulling out of the gravity she ends up slingshotting herself halfway across the galaxy um, and lands on this planet what's it called again galaxica fantasia that's the one (laughs) lands on eternia Uh, so then the, the astronaut crash lands on the on Eternia is brought before the king, but she's actually like very headstrong and very like shoving people out of the way and stuff like that, which actually impresses the king about her like willpower. And so over the years, uh, they end up falling for each other. They get married. They have a child, and that child's name is Adam. Uh, Adam is a nature lover and a scholar, a little kind of on the scrawny side, uh, but grows up as a a prince living in, in the kingdom. And that's kind of where the panel retrospective thing would kind of end. And we would pick up with uh, meeting the king's brother, who the king's brother has been insanely jealous of the king himself uh, through, like, there's an argument or something along those lines about, like, the fact that, you know, this should be my kingdom or something along those lines. And uh, they end up wrestling in front of this, like, vat, or not vat, but this pit of some sort, which has to be like a pit of acid. I mean, do people have pits of acid? I don't know. They have, in some plane where there's a pit of acid. It's Eternia. So they, up, they can have it. There you go. So it's Eternia. So they're wrestling in front of a pit of acid, and then the uncle actually manages to throw the, the king into the acid, and he dies in the acid, but the acid splashes up onto the, un- or the, the nephew or the brother's face, which scars him and leaves him with the imprint of a skull on his face. Um, then he ends up, he flees because he just killed the king, um, which then leaves the, the young prince, Adam, as the new king. Um, however, he is, you know, he's young and so he's very, and he's very kind of like not headstrong. And, you know, he's again, a nature lover, that sort of a guy. So then the king's advisor, who is the sorceress, uh, decides to, um, show him the secret of Skull, which they gives him then, um, a sword, which, uh, she reveals to him how with this sword, he can then transform himself into this, uh, hulking hero named He-Man. So we get the uh, invention of He-Man that way. Um, 
Meanwhile, however, uh, the king's brother has gone off and is plotting about how now to get rid of the son of his, I guess it's his nephew. And so he um, convinces a local like tribe or maybe an, a rival kingdom or something along those lines, convinces them to invade um, the kingdom, Etern- or whatever, I don't know if the specific kingdom is called Eternia, are they king, whatever, these kings are not the kings of the entire world, but whatever they are, do invade. Um, so as they're invading, um, the battle commences and everything along those lines, and they're in, um, in the middle of one of the, uh, of a battle, uh, Adam's tr- transformed into He-Man, of course, and he's battling, and then while battling with one of, um, these tribal tribesmen, um, he ends up accidentally skewing, skewering this like passerby. I mean, I, I don't know exactly how you would set it up that there's like a, there's like a, you know, uh, ped- not pedestrians. What do you call it? Like innocent people just kind of running through, and one of them gets skewered by his sword, and so he falls over, and then um, and is laying on the ground, and so He Man comes over and like tries to take his pulse, but there's no pulse. And so He-Man is devastated, and so he just kind of wanders off of the battlefield and um, is devastated that he's killed an innocent. So he goes back to the kingdom, and, like, the sorceress is trying to, like, buck him up and stuff like that, but he ends up, like, transforming himself back into Prince Adam, and he throws his sword down into, like, this pit. Just He's given up um, uh, ever becoming He-Man again. So then he wanders off into the city. He goes into, like, a local tavern or a bar or something like that, and he meets this, like person who is is kind of like in in a in a like a you know like hooded so they can't quite see who this person is and kind of talks about what it really means to be a hero and some sort of stuff along those lines you know just pep talk sort of mentorship sort of thing like that so anyway so in the middle of this conversation or at some point maybe they hang out for a couple of days or weeks or whatever and be mentored or but then at one point someone comes in from that tribe that that um had invaded and Adam kind of perks up and go, Oh my gosh, that's, that's these people that invaded. And then the mentor goes, Oh, that's, you know, so-and-so that tribal thing. Um, they have the most peculiar ability to, um, they don't actually have a heartbeat. And so Adam just go, what? They don't have a heartbeat realizing that he actually might not have killed that person because they don't have heartbeats. So he runs back inside. Meanwhile, we find out, um, that, uh, his uncle is, you know, preparing this assault on um, on the castle. So Adam has to go back, find his sword, reclaim his 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 uh, um, rightful place as He Man. Turns back to to defeat uh, his uncle and and the the hordes of everything coming at him. Sees that. Um, it turns out that the person that he skewered was actually the leader of those tribal people in disguise that Skeletor had specifically placed there so that He-Man would be defeated by his own goodness. Um, but then He-Man realizes what he does, defeats Skeletor, and wins the day. Well, that's Yeah, that's great. Obviously, you know, getting Prince Adam in there. getting that. And I noticed, Jeff, that you uh, used a little bit of kind of the story that's come out in the, there was a rebooted He-Man cartoon right that, that came out in the kind of the mid 2000s early 2000s yeah, yeah. and, and exactly. they, ha- they had that whole Skeletor's origin essentially yes mapped out which is right great. and they and they did actually yeah whoever is in charge of He-Man did say that that is considered canon at these 
day uh, at this point. Plus, I did combine because it's just kind of the same thing I was thinking with Fantastic Four is that we with this source material that we have that we need to utilize that. So the plot line of skewering an innocent is actually a, an episode from the second season called The Problem with Power. Oh, okay. Uh, hmm. But that one obviously is because again, and that's the interesting thing. Which well, well, we can get into this one later. But I, I was thinking that would be really interesting, but I have no idea how we could do it. But is the fact that again, He-Man in all of his cartoons never actually struck another human being. So could we possibly have a pacifist action hero? I don't know, but if we could, (laughs) I'd love it. And so then Uh, killing somebody would be a huge big deal. uh, Well, okay, so define never striking a human being. Does he strike serpent people? Does he strike the beasts? Strikes a robot. Yeah. So in other words, like he's the (laughs) '90s Wolverine. Something like that. Like he would always like punch a rock, or he'd like capture them inside something, or he'd like break their spaceship. You know, like he'd do everything but actually physically pummel them. Yeah. So like Wolverine of the '90s. (laughs) Well, no, that's not true though, because in X two. He totally no 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 no. Some guys. no. I'm talking the cartoon. Oh, the okay. '90s cartoon of the X-Men. Yeah, that everybody remembers that epic intro. Yeah, all he kills are the Sentinels. That's true. Yeah. That's okay. Exactly. I, I see well, it's where you're because yeah. From. I mean, how do you not kill somebody with blades? Or, you know, <laughs> knives. Right. Knives he makes a lot of yeah. threats with them, but never yeah. follows through. <laughs> Uh, now, Jeff, the other thing that I noticed, too, which because knowing that you're a big Lord of the Rings fan, uh, just that moment in the bar, I'm just like, oh, Strider. OK, so there's, there's oh, like that was totally okay. like that's what I was imagining. A guy in a hooded, you know, in a hood sitting in a bar that he talks to people. Anyway, I, it's probably not what you were intending, but that was what came to mind for me when you when you set the scene there. So that right. was, that was I so was cool. I was kind of going more for Hamlet or the Lion King, where I mm-hmm. wanted like a vision of his father, but I'm like, ah, that's been done. So what if we do this like mysterious figure? And I was going to kind of like maybe we could hint that maybe this is his dad that somehow survived, or his mom, because I never really knew what happened to her, her his mom. Which was also awesome that you used her origin, because I always thought that was so cool that Queen Marlena was a NASA astronaut right. who crashed on Eternia. So Evan's really you know part human, you know. Like, like, which is interesting. I don't know. That's, that's which a, that's is where cool he gets his lore. weak and feeble side <laughs> from, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jeremy, do you have some ideas for a pitch? For uh, us? It, less ideas, more concepts. Okay. Um, I was totally on board with most of what Jeff did. Mostly, there was supposedly a deleted scene with uh, Master of the Universe where Man at Arms comes up out of the dungeon or something, holding like an American flag and a. <laughs> a paper dated like 2021 and so i was kind of going to spin off of that and go into more of the backstory like filling in almost a prequel to master of the universe okay like at least giving us that much where they can tell the full story of how he became he-man and then the like the last third or third act of the movie would be skeletor coming back (laughs) and having an epic battle for real this time trying to retake castle grayskull yeah okay no i I definitely see i mean i i think again like like you're saying i mean that's probably that's what was missing that's what people expect from a film even again based on a popular franchise give us the origin here we got to know what's going on i mean that's that's essentially the only way you could reincorporate this movie into anything considered somewhat canon would be to go in and pull a George Lucas into a prequel (laughs) 
<laughs> and then do <laughs> do a follow up that just continues on that isn't so isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> in the eighties, right? <laughs> Adam, what do you have for us? All right. Well, given my affection for this film, I definitely did not want to reboot it or discount it. So <laughs> I said, "How do I continue the lore of this this cinematic Masters of the Universe franchise, but give it something a little, you know, more true to the to the spirit of He Man and all of that?" So my film takes place as if they made it in 1989. Okay, and I'm going to mention some casting along the way, just based in that from '89. From '89, okay. and my my film is called masters of the universe beyond grayskull all right so with skeletor's reign of terror seemingly ended he-man arrives at the palace of eternia and sheathes his sword returning him to the form of prince adam played by river phoenix he's troubled to find that his father king randor played by richard attenborough is terminally ill from the years of civil war and is told by his mother queen marlena played by Anne margaret that adam may soon be required to take up the mantle of king meanwhile skeletor pulls himself from the slime pit he landed in at the climax of the last film and hobbles his way back to snake mountain only to find that an interdimensional tyrant named hordak played by tim curry has taken over in his absence and gained the loyalty of his henchmen. Hordak commands Skeletor to join him as his servant or die. Defiantly stating that Eternia is rightfully his, Skeletor is banished to the wastelands with the help of Evelyn, who now has the power of Hordak's cosmic key and Skeletor's ram staff. Back at the palace, Adam shares with Tila and Man-at-Arms his conflicting feelings over becoming king. He knows he can do good for the people, but feels that he cannot also fight by their side as He-Man because it would take time away from his duty to the throne. Adam then goes to the sorceress for advice on whether or not his role as king or He-Man is most important to Eternia. The sorceress tells him that anyone can be king, but there's only one He-Man and that the secrets of Castle Grayskull are more important than any kingdom. Just then, a battalion of Hordak's troopers, led by a mutant cyborg named General Modulok, played by uh, Malcolm McDowell, attack the borders of the palace. Adam gets word of the attack from Man-at-Arms via Comlink and transforms into He-Man, taking his jet sled to the scene of the battle. During the fight, we see Modulok assimilate various weapons into appendages on his body. And when he gets an arm or a leg cut off in battle, he can just assimilate one from a nearby corpse. Hordak himself, himself that arrives on the scene. He-Man finally sees the goal of their attack, to kidnap Queen Marlena, who ends up in the clutches of Hordak. Deta- detained by Modulok and unable to stop his mother from being taken hostage, He-Man is devastated, even more so when King Randor rises from his bed, sword in hand, to take aim at Hordak, who deals a fatal blow to the king, then disappears with his army through a cosmic key portal. Distraught, He-Man returns to the sorceress, who agrees to grant him the power to defeat Hordak by amplifying his sword's magic. But upon handing her his weapon, the sorceress is revealed to be Evil Lynn in disguise, who banishes the now Prince Adam to the wastelands as well. It turns out that the real sorceress has been trapped in bird form and surrounded by an enchanted cage, now located in Snake Mountain, preventing her from accessing the magic of Grayskull. Alone and unarmed in the wasteland, Adam meets up with a bumbling outcast sorcerer named Orko, voiced by Paul Rubens, who agrees to help him find his way back to Castle Grayskull. After being attacked by a group of mermen from a nearby swamp, Adam and Orko come upon an injured and scared green tiger they nickname Cringer, due to his timid nature, and the trio set off on their journey. 
With He-Man's sword and Skeletor's ram staff, Hordak is now poised to be the master of the universe, but must wait until the moon aligns with the planet. In the meantime, Hordak puts the people and creatures of Eternia to work, building him a massive palace. With Queen Marlena as his captive, he claims to be the lawful ruler of Eternia. Hordak is actually smitten with the queen, who rejects him. Back in the wasteland, Orko, Cringer, and Adam rescue a cloaked person being terrorized by a nest of snake men, who, turn out, who turns out to be Skeletor. Not knowing that Adam is the alter ego of his archenemy, Skeletor humbly thanks him and begs the group for help. The former villain seems to have been humbled by his struggle to survive. Skeletor claims that he can get, uh, if they can get him to Snake Mountain before the moon aligns and retrieve his ram staff, he can overthrow Hordak and restore the proper balance to Eternia. Not fully trusting him, but realizing their mutual need to stop the current madness, the trio allows Skeletor to tag along. Ultimately, the group makes their way to the bowels of Snake Mountain and free the sorceress, who grants Adam the power of He-Man once more. Transforming Cringer into Battle Cat, he attacks Modulok, who is torn to pieces by the heroic beast. Orko, the sorceress, and Skeletor defeat Evelyn, who pays for her betrayal of her former master by being turned into a snake. He-Man frees Queen Marlena and demands that she be taken to safety at the palace by Orko, Battlecat, and the Sorceress, leaving the formal rivals, uh, former rivals to join forces against Hordak. Showing his shape-shifting powers, Hordak takes on the form of various Masters of the Universe characters like Buzz-Off, Mossman, Webstore, and Whiplash to fight off the combined might of the duo. Hordak nearly kills He-Man the way he did King Randor, but is saved by Skeletor. Ultimately, Hordak is stabbed in the gut with the cosmic key, which is turned on and causes the villain to implode. Their mutual foe defeated, Skeletor immediately turns on He-Man, who just then transforms back into Prince Adam, having had his power drained away by the sorcery of Snake Mountain. Just before the death blow is struck, Evelyn in snake form jumps up and strangles Skeletor, and the two tumble into a dark abyss through a trapdoor activated by Prince Adam. A few days later, they hold a funeral for King Randor, and it is announced that Orko is being named Royal Magician for the palace. Accepting his duty, Prince Adam is crowned King of Eternia in a royal ceremony and reveals himself to be He-Man in front of the gathered population. He says he will serve them with both wisdom and warrior spirit as credits roll. So there you have it. <laughs> so wait, now Skeletor and, and He-Man join up because they of necessity? Both, well, yes. yeah, they're, they're, but they're basically both out in this wasteland with no ability kind of to defend themselves or get where they need to go. I mean, Adam doesn't have his sword, so he can't be He-Man. Skeletor doesn't have oh, his okay. staff, so he has no power. So they basically, they can't really hurt each other either. So they, they join up forces to say, okay, well, if we have to get to Snake Mountain, because that's where Hordak is, and that's where we have to stop him and free the sorceress and all that, then we'll do it together. So that was that was that was the idea, you know, just that whole thing, enemies joining forces, you know. There's a lot of you know little details that would be fleshed out, but that was just. I'm sure it uh, happened yeah. on an episode too of the cartoon. I, mean, right. I, I have to imagine. Did it? I have to look it up. I have I to look know. it up. If not, I'm awesome. Yeah. I hope you all enjoy <laughs> yeah. my story. <laughs> I don't know what what are we thinking? Where where do we where do we go with that? I mean, it it doesn't seem likely that this movie would have uh, happened. I mean, obviously the. I just, I just imagine they get like sub financier, you know, like Mattel's like, we got to make one last stab at this. <laughs> we can do it. Give the people what they want. They'll but, forgive us. But your whole movie ended up on Eternia. Yeah, everything's on Eternia because that's uh, that's the complaint that everybody gives, right? They're like, why well, yes. is this on Earth? That's also 
Canon's issue because they were like, uh, we can't pay for that much set, so <laughs> we're going to California. Well, it, can I tell you that my, my secret to this is that Dino De Laurentiis, who is a famous producer, you know, of kind of like schlocky films, he did Army of Darkness and a bunch of these other, like, he would combine forces and save Canon in my alternate okay. reality, and he would help them to, to get the movie made. All right, so let's talk this over. Do we want to make a retroactive 1989 film, or do we want to go current day and technology yeah. in a reboot? Well, the one thing then, because and it sounds like, well, let me just ask you, you guys, is that because now in in your one, yours, Adam, you didn't necessarily like you didn't go into any detail as far as the action is concerned. Because one of my big ones, again, one of my pet peeves is their attempt to make this the Star Wars of medieval action or whatever. And you didn't really have any sci-fi elements other than the key of eternity or whatever. Although I guess if it's a continuation, they have to have laser guns that they're shooting and flying. Right. Yeah. I mean, all, all of that would definitely be in there. The same type of tech and, and weaponry and all of those things, you know, would, would pretty much be present. It would be the same style that, that what we saw in the previous film. Because, like, that's the whole thing. Like, you know, if, if we go just, like, starting over, the truth is, like, my story doesn't, I mean, it does pick up right after, but I, I feel like, you know, it probably what, what people need is just a fresh start, like an origin movie. There's no reason the sequel can't tell the He-Man story. Right. Because the truth is, I right. don't think most well, people where... even knew that, like, from the cartoon or anything. It wasn't really a big part of it like oh how did adam become he-man he tells you in the credits every week right. but they didn't do a huge story about it you know right well and especially because now now if we're talking about you know well and i think i don't know i felt like that was the problem is that a lot of adults you, you can't expect that it was only going to be children going to see this movie like a lot of adults and they were probably just as clueless as you know as anybody and especially if we're going to make something today where most people have forgotten anything about He-Man. That's where I feel like having having a, some form of an introduction or something like that. Uh, but again, like for me, that whole the tech thing just loses so much of, of He-Man because then it makes his sword ridiculous. Well, but I mean, if you if you look at the cartoon, they always had it was always a mix of sci-fi and barbarian adventure. Like it, it really always was. Like they had flying spaceships with laser guns yeah. on them. It just, but you know, it's just like you know, He Man did fight with a sword. You know, he is, he happened to, have, happened to be his weapon of choice. You know, but he's just old school that way. But uh, I don't know, like, to me, like, I, I, I don't see that really as an issue. Um, I, I think that was, that's kind of the premise of this, the, the characters and the, the, their universe in general. Yeah. I, I would tend to go, just again, because they want, they're going to want to, any studio that would finance a sequel is going to want to forget the flop from 87. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm fine with going with your guys, uh, looking at the origin side of things. Uh, but so, I mean, honestly, I, I don't think we even need to get too deep into it. I think Jeff, your story, you know, was pretty yeah. good. It, it had kind of the pathos It had the, the, you know, the young man, you know, going through his journey and rising up to being, you know, a hero and all of that. And, and again, we get, well, and I think for both of us story too. Yeah. With both of our stories, it was the same. It had that same arc of, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, him becoming the, the, the king and, becoming i don't know well i guess with yours he'd already been he-man but he was you know becoming the king right um, now the, the one the death of the king the stuff. one tweak i would make to your story jeff 
Because it sounds like that's more or less what we're going with. Right, yeah. The first king that they meet up with would be King Skull himself. And then his kids would end up being, I believe it's Keldon, Keldor, whatever. <laughs> Who is Skeletor in Who becomes form. Skeletor, yeah. yes. And then uh, Rondor would be his sons, and they would be the ones fighting to be king. And it would be Keldon who ends up throwing Skull, the father, into the vat of acid so okay. that it, right well, then we could do but th- that was my thought though is that if you combine the like you just kind of skip that one over then you can explain skeletor's creation at the same time as you show um you know he-man becoming king well it, there would be the the thing do we want he-man to be king in this one or do we want to kind of flesh out his story as prince adam for a movie or so. Well, the the thing I was always trying to, I was trying to figure out this in, in my pitch too was it, in a certain extent you don't want him to be king. He needs to be he man so you exactly. get out there fighting. But I couldn't figure out who a good replacement would be. So I I never put that line you know that 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 plot thread in as to okay well who would take over for him then? I mean his mom could rule as queen without a king. Or she could marry, you know, man at arms, Mary Duncan, and he could yeah. be the new king or something, you know. Like, well, I don't... we could do because apparently they said in the cartoon that the way that it actually happened was uh, Keldor or whatever Skeletor's name was was trying to like kill his brother with acid, and he like blocked it, and it went back at him, and that's why it scarred his face. So we could do something like that, where he attempts to like assassinate him, and he ends up getting hurt instead. Yeah. So it so creates maybe, that animosity. Maybe we'll combine both your stories with King Grayskull being on his deathbed. Okay. And it's Keldor trying to take out his brother in order to be king. There you go. Okay. Now, the one thing, Jeff, that I felt was missing from your pitch is obviously, and you got excited when I mentioned it, is... The introduction of Battle Cat yes. at Orco. Yeah. So do you well, feel like I, we could put that in? Because I didn't really include in? any of the other. Yeah. Because then yeah, Man of War and Tila or whatever her name was. <laughs> yeah. Man E Faces. What about him? Man E Faces <laughs> is great. Uh, I, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like we definitely have to work in as many characters again from the right. toy line because that's what everybody went to see and didn't get in the first movie. But like. I guess what I'm trying to figure out is in your story, where would you see, I mean, do you just want them to exist? Like, or do, would you want him to, like, as part of his story, meet Battle Cat somewhere and then Battle Cat, you know, gets transformed, uh, yeah. you know, kind of the same well, time it's, he does. It's the tough thing. Like, one, I don't think, just picturing it in my, my head, I don't think you can get away with, like in, in the cartoon where he was, he tr- Battle Cat transformed into this giant tiger that He-Man would ride. Don't think you, I, I, I can't see that working. Like, I think, but you can transform him into like his, you know, partner where he like six, you know, Battle Cat goes and attacks people on yeah. his own. Like, that can work. Well, that, that could be cool. Uh, I, mean, I mean, if you look at it, like, I mean, they really already did the He-Man Battle Cat thing in live action in the Beastmaster. If you ever saw the Beastmaster, Gar has I his... can't say that I have. <laughs> oh, you got it. That's another 80s Barbarians, you know, sci-fi classic. But uh, not really sci-fi, but, um, but he has this panther 
that is his, you know, the beast master could speak to the animals, you know, but he has a panther that goes around with them. Like, and I was like, Oh, it's he man, a battle cat right there. You know, like they're <laughs> basically ready to go. So I, I yeah, I, I would agree with you, Jeff. He doesn't need to ride battle cat, but, but you know, you could definitely uh, have him. Like I say, but I, I feel like he, it's like him having a friend as Adam but yeah. then you know having a partner right. as He-Man, right. so I, I just feel like it's a, it's a it's that kind of character. And again, he's not going to talk. He's not going to be cringer. Oh, He-Man! You know, right. like we're not right. going to get any but of it, that. But it, it can even like, and it, there could even be like a just to kind of emphasize the transformation. And that's where again I feel like because I guess in the cartoon, and again I haven't watched much of the cartoon in thirty years, but um, that. Uh, Adam started looking pretty buff. And in fact, it ended up like he didn't look a whole lot different than He-Man. But I think that works to its advantage where you make Adam like mousier. And then the same thing with Battle Cat. You make, you know, Cringer basically like maybe yeah. a house cat that turns into a tiger. <laughs> like that's that's well, a pretty and, cool... and I thought about that too, but that seemed too extreme to me. I was like, let him be a tiger, but let him just be tame. But when he becomes Battle Cat, he is raging and he's like, you know, you see that he's powerful. But it, but when he's you know w- before he transforms, he's just kind of like mellow. Yeah. All right. But uh, now, I mean. Is there anything else we feel like we're missing? Uh, Jeff, at the end, the, the battle with Skeletor, how did that end for, for your pitch? Uh, did really? I didn't have a specific. Okay. I mean, other other than I, I would want redemption from the ridiculously horrible sword fight in the original. So <laughs> right. I would want them to actually have like a. And and for me, it's kind of like. Now, the weird thing is, and I'm a huge big as a as a movie buff. I love like I love when people's abilities or whatever like are are uh, demonstrated. I guess like like my my favorite example is uh, uh, the Matrix, where the way Neo realizes he's the one is because he can so effortlessly beat Agent Smith, and that just shows his power so much. So it's interesting that He Man's power is power, like he is super strong. So I would like that, like, something where, like, maybe you kind of had the thing, Adam, where he didn't have his sword. So there could be something where he's battling Skeletor and the just, like, as much as I want to see an epic battle, like, it has to be one-sided. Because we have to show that He-Man is so much stronger than Skeletor and that he has to, like, cheat or something like that. Well, I, I love the idea of just, you know, He-Man just, like, lifting some giant thing. Like, whether he, like, lifts the entire Snake Mountain or something. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like, there's just, like, this moment where... Or there's, like, this immovable object that is, like, enchanted or something by he, by Skeletor. And but, Skeletor's jaw just drops. Yeah, but then he's able to push beyond the enchantment, you know, and, like, he frees somebody or, you know, some, something along those yeah. lines. But I also... I think because you're right. I mean, he, we do have to show what it what is it that makes him special. It's not that he's a good sword fighter. It's not that he looks good oiled up. You know, like right. that's not his power, yeah. Dolph Lundgren. You know, but but uh, I I really want to see like a final battle because again, we probably don't want to defeat Skeletor. We want him to come back for other movies. That's the whole point. Yeah, we don't want to kill him off. But... So so my thought is, what if you did? Have you guys seen the Raid movies? They they are awesome. Like it's basically like. You know, it's, it's, you know, 
martial arts movies where the guy like goes up like levels like <laughs> of an apartment <laughs> building and he's just fighting a million people at each level and it, and so i would just love that that's a way to get all the characters in is he-man is going up the levels of snake mountain to get to skeletor and he's fighting all the, the villain characters from the toy line Dang. you know like so so he kind of like you know and he's you know learning little things along the way you know but like you know, quickly. We're not spending like an hour on that. Yeah, you know, an, but <laughs> an hour-long epic climb of Snake Mountain. But I just think that that's where you could really satisfy everybody is to say, okay, here, here's the moment where all these different characters are just coming at him, and he's so powerful, he's like defeating him in all these creative ways, you know, and whatever. But then when he gets to Skeletor, like we said, now he's, you know, super pumped, and he's like getting his, you know final moment where we see just how powerful he is in in a way the skeletor he-man story is very thor and loki-ish i can where, see that oh where, i was thinking uh simba and uh scar scar, scar. <laughs> that too that would be more uncle yeah. versus the nephew that, definitely I, I mean i'm not talking the relationship wise right. but just, just that the... that thor is all powerful and super strong and then loki yeah. is using all these little tricks and gimmicks right. and mirrors and sleight of hand to kind of get the upper hand and that's essentially what skeletor would have to do i, th- I think that's great and then you know at the end again skeletor basically i feel like he has to be I don't know if it's another scenario of I'll be back. So like you think he's dead, but he's not, you know, like they did. And maybe we just need to do that. Like He-Man thinks he's defeated him and things are mostly better and safe. And maybe Skeletor is incapacitated, but then we see that he's not dead. So, or, you know, and then that's why we know he'll be back someday. Could He-Man imprison him? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's it is that the sorceress, you know, puts him in Castle Grayskull and keeps him, you know, secured somewhere. And, and that then, could be a setup for the next movie that right. Skeletor gets out and discovers the secrets of Grayskull. And, and there's all sorts of, you know, additional, you know, new things that have to be, you know, figured out. Okay, so we've got an interesting story. Who are we going to have play this? Because I want to make this today. I don't want to make it in 1989, <laughs> Adam. Oh, that's too bad. Okay. Um, yeah. Could you do Paul Rubens in 1989? Uh, well, that's it. He would have been very busy with uh, with Pee-wee's Playhouse and all of that. In but prison? Or? Not yet. No, okay. That, that was like a little <laughs> no, bit later. No. That's why I was, I, we were getting him just before. Just before. And, and it's just voice work, Maybe you know? this would have... Kept him, kept him out of that. That's right. Could have kept him out of trouble. Kept him busy. <laughs> Come on, Pee Wee. All right, but yeah. So, so I guess yeah. The question is, who's playing He Man, right? <laughs> so who who fits today? And again, everybody's gonna go. I mean, who who's the go to man in Hollywood? Who's who's Mr. Action Star Buff Channing guy? Channing Tatum. Don't want Channing Tatum, <laughs> please. He's already got Gambit. And I he's know. gonna ruin that. No, no. Channing Tatum for He Man. Um, but I'm trying to think of like who else is out there Ooh. that is like buff. Can we go? Prof- can we get like a professional wrestler? I mean, well, I mean, Dave Batista made the right. jump, and yeah, well, you know, somebody who's not. I, I'm I'm thinking about him, but he's not really huge. I mean, I guess he could buff up, but would be Seth Rollins. I don't know. He he was the WWE champion uh, for quite a while here recently. And he's he's kind of, mm. he's got like the blonde you know just like chiseled good looking guy kind of thing to him and he's got a lot yeah, of charisma. He, yeah, can he play? Because that was the thing that I was thinking but he's about. A bad guy usually. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, but can he play? Uh, I mean, especially if we're going for that whole like Adam is kind of the mousy guy, mm-hmm. and then he turns into He Man. Can he play the mousy guy? 
Well, are, are we, we gonna be or are we doing alter ego? Like I was going to say, actors? do we do two different actors? Yeah, I mean that's that's another option. Because what about uh, I was thinking about um, uh, what's his name, Chris Jericho. Uh, Chris Jericho as He Man. Yeah, as both. Uh, I don't know. I I'd don't think anybody could take both. him seriously. As he, I don't think he could take himself seriously as He Man. <laughs> he, I mean, he's like okay. So as as we've been talking, the only guy that I have come to mind that uh-huh. would be not a huge star that this would kind of be his well not breakout role because the movie he's in is going to be his breakout role uh the guy that's going to be playing tarzan in the upcoming film okay alexander skarsgård oh oh all right always a skarsgård yeah, skarsgårds right. are good we like him i mean he Skars- can he <laughs> could definitely pull off the the he-man yeah that's mm. that's pretty cool now is he uh, i mean because the other the Are we going with another accent, though? <laughs> well, because I, obviously the other person that said the running is Chris Hemsworth, but he's already got Thor, so you don't want him right. playing He-Man also, unless we say he leaves the Thor franchise finally, and then it's like, this is his next one. Well, granted. Because he would be a great He-Man, I have to say. Uh, true. I mean, do, if we just want to say dream casting, do we want to put Chris Hemsworth in there? See, again... If I don't know that he could play Mousy. Well, he. But think about. I, I think about the opening of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek film. He made such an impression on me when I saw that movie. Right. Like before he was ever Thor, I was always telling people that guy who played Kirk's dad. That guy is great. Like I would love to see him yeah. in a movie. And then he was Thor. I was. And like, he oh. was only there and died. Yeah. Like, but but he was he was yeah. like a simple just good-hearted person that he wasn't like playing on mr buff action star and i felt like he shows in that moment that he can be just kind of a normal vulnerable person now we also have to be thinking what age do we want to put prince adam at yeah i i don't think he needs to be like a teenager I i think he could very well just be a you know an adult you know he's just he's in his mid 20s you're probably looking Early to mid twenties is probably your your good range for Prince Adam. Yeah, um, He Man like Skarsgård. I just looked; he's almost forty. Wow. Okay. So yeah, and yeah, he doesn't look old. forty. <laughs> yeah. um, what if we went in a whole different direction and we we what if what about um, Terry Crews? Oh wow, that, Terry Crews. Yeah, that would be cool from the Expendables. Oh, yeah. <laughs> White chicks and, and any Adam Sandler film, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I mean, he that would be a very obviously bold move uh, to, to make to throw that out. Black He Man, yeah, Black He Man. But I mean, but there's no reason. It I mean, be. he's got the like. I don't know. I feel like he's diverse enough that he could play Mousy. He is ridiculously ripped. Yeah, and so he could easily. He's got the build for it. Wow, I mean that that would actually be pretty cool to do. Like you know, basically a whole African American royal family. And everything, like, why not? You know, that it, that was such a white bread cartoon. But the only thing you run into again is like the internet's going to be in an uproar. You're like, why are you changing He Man? You're you know, you're killing my He Man. Pretty much. Yeah. Well, but are at the we same making... time, though, look at all the uproar for for what's his name to be Spider Man. That's like true. how many if they would have had Glover, uh, Donald yeah. Glover be Spider Man. Yeah, but there's there's precedence for that in the comics. Yeah, for Miles Morales, this it would, <laughs> it would kind of become the joke. I feel on that front that it would be the whiz of Eternia. Oh, 
Hmm. I, don't, I don't know, but yeah, I but guess yeah, I it mean, would be. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be well because it's. I mean, like you look at like because my thought is like look at uh, Michael Clark Duncan and Daredevil. We don't like to think about Daredevil at all, but when you think about his casting, like he was a pretty good Kingpin, even though Kingpin is always a giant white guy. I, yeah, like I had a problem with yeah. his acting, not with his being a you know an African American actor right. as a white well, character. I that didn't matter to me. Yeah, it was just, uh, just we all do for that movie. <laughs> But I don't know. I, the more I think about it, the more I actually get excited about it because I think that could be. I again, I don't. I still I love and it, the reason I put it in my pitch to have He-Man and and Prince Adam be different people is because you don't want Dolph Lundgren acting again. So just have him show up <laughs> to do the action. Have a decent actor, a dramatic actor playing the you know the, all the heartfelt stuff and the the growth throughout. So like my thought is who would be the Prince Adam? Let Terry Crews be He-Man, but I don't I can't Do see we him get Donald him. Glover? <laughs> <laughs> it could be great. Come on. <laughs> I, I, well, because they could do, although I wasn't a big fan of like the beginning of Captain America, where they just de-muscle-fied Chris Evans. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. There's there's hmm. that option. Okay. That actually, right. no, I, I totally didn't even think about that. That could work. It was then. pretty much just a body double then. Yeah. But no, that, that, that wouldn't be bad, because, yeah, we've seen it work, like, where it was actually mostly believable i mean yeah you know so i i I, again it was the acting it was chris evans made us believe it we could kind of look past any cgi issues we had so okay come on right if we didn't know chris evans we would have believed it even more right (laughs) well the one thing i would say too is that i feel like and this this is kind of goes like like what you were saying uh, uh jeremy about the whole like the whiz version where it's like, I wouldn't say because you've got a black actor in there is that what it changes was one. I don't think that means you should have an entirely black cast. I think you should have a, like an interracial cast. Oh, okay. So he so could have been it adopted be whitewashed, or but it shouldn't be because otherwise if he's the only black actor, then it's just like, okay, now this is weird. Okay. But if everybody's black, then it's also, that's a whole different thing. But, but if it's the- just interracial, I mean, this is a whole nother planet. So everybody True, looks different. But at the same time, how many humans are there? Like, we only have so many human characters, and pretty much they're all the family of He-Man. <laughs> so Well, that could be the thing too, is that we could make we could make his mom black and he and they could be the then they could be the only two black people, but then you gotta do a whole like race thing. Uh, I don't could, know if you want to do well, Could Terry Crews play uh, a half black? Well, it, I don't I don't think it matters. Like, like that that part of it. He's an I alien. Don't, I don't think Well he was in white chicks. We'll just put yeah. it that way. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but like but the whole idea I think that's fine. And that does play into it, Jeff. You're right. That's cool that, that she came from another world to their planet. And I don't think you have to make a big deal about the fact that, you know, like that they look at her differently or anything it just happens to be the case like because everybody's weird over yeah, there every, everybody's different right. and so that they, they don't have a problem with with you know races or whatever but then so so if that's the case and who would play queen marlena so that will be his mother yeah so i'm trying to think of like you know maybe like an actress again who's older she obviously has to be oh, older somebody from it's the always 90s gotta be, or something what's her name Angela I always Bassett? Go oprah <laughs> well either angela bassett or no well actually angela uh, i was thinking of uh alfrey woodard ah uh, okay alfrey has a little bit more of the like because again well at least in mine i kind of like her being kind of like like uh who could play royalty well yeah but both royalty but also like strong-willed where she's kind of like not sad 
sassy, but you know, she's the one that's, you know, when she lands on the planet, she's kind of like, get up off of me. So uh, with with the astronauts landing, is she the only one in the ship or is she the only survivor? Uh, either way, I'm fine either one. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it would be a huge plot point or anything. So I, I say just make her the survivor. I mean, yeah. And then so, but I mean, I, I'm fine with Alfred Woodard unless we went with somebody, you know, more like, like even uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, like she she's a very strong you know, forceful yeah. kind of actress. Good old Fish obviously. Mooney. Yeah, so you got to see her on Gotham Isn't she right too now. Young though. No way. She's no. Old. She's older now. She's got to be. Almost I mean, 50. she's almost got an 18, 19 year old kid. So no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now she's got a a Terry Crews year old kid. So well, that, well, that's the only thing though. He would have to look so much. They would have to make <laughs> him look young. He's actually three years older than she. Yeah. I'm really <laughs> saying he, we'd probably have to cast a younger actor for Adam. For Adam. Yeah. They could transform into Terry Crews. <laughs> Jaden Smith. No, yeah, no. <laughs> that would doom this movie. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, don't know. I, I still kind of like the de-aging thing just because it could be interesting. I just I don't know if Terry Crews is how dramatic the film is going to be because I always feel like he's always got a little bit of comedy yeah. to him, you know, like, yeah, that's true. But, but, but it's, it's, it's he that, man. You yeah. got to have a little bit right. of that. Don't you have a little bit more. That's what I'm saying. This could have a little bit more humor to it rather than being super epic overall. Yeah. But now do we care like King Randor then who's going to be, I would say, are we tying this back in or not? Tie your back into what? The abomination of the movie. <laughs> Why? Who do you, you want no, Dolph? he's not in it. Bring Dolph in to be either Grayskull or the father yeah. just to have him have a brief role Ooh. or a dying and role. And then we kill him. Right. Yeah. Have him Grayskull. Like, well, so, no, or, <laughs> I mean, you could do that. Uh, he, he, or he's King Randor with just a very minimized part. And then who plays Grayskull? Frank Langella. <laughs> right Bring give him, him some FaceTime. yeah let it let it be him and then you got the, there's your there's your cameos for those of us who cared about the and the and let him film. have some sort of dramatic yeah impact role as dying grayskull there you go yeah because i was gonna say we can't you know we've already you know with thor we, we can't go after anthony hopkins you know right. all, all these great dramatic british actors you know so let's get frank Langella in there i think he'd be good and yeah. uh now what about skeletor so there we go we got a Caldor okay. So what kind of Skeletor do we want? Do we want the high-pitched voice Skeletor? <laughs> uh, I think that would grate on us pretty quickly. Right, I want Sinister. My first thought was, uh, what's his name? Andrew Divoff? What's you guys know from? him? He was the Wishmaster. <laughs> Only Jeff remembers the Wishmaster. <laughs> oh, God, I hated that movie, but I remember it. But he... And it's and he's been in a lot of other stuff, but he yeah he's got that voice. Okay, so he's just a how he's pretty sinister. You're saying yeah, um, and but I mean he's a stunt man, so he can certainly you know I mean I guess he's sixty now. He used to be a stunt man. <laughs> so um, we might have to look a little younger. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not familiar with his work. And yeah, we may want somebody that can last uh, a uh, while longer. Uh, and, well, and is Skeletor going to be motion capture? That's the question. Like, like, because I mean, obviously, Andy Circus is the name that always comes up because you're like, right, he could do but, anything, you know. But at the same time, Andy Circus can motion capture anyone, right? Like, it's his studio everybody uses. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure there's plenty of great, uh, it's just the, the, he's the only one anyone knows, yeah, right. Um, what if we went a little, uh, since we're not getting like a Channing Tatum, what if we bring in like, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal to oh, be Skeletor. Wow. Because, I mean, he's 
definitely mm. got ripped for that Southpaw movie. Oh know? yeah, he did. So I mean, he can definitely play somewhat sinister. So, but but he, obviously he's not that old. So at the time that we have the flashback with with King Randor, obviously Dolph Lundgren's going to be older. So somebody else is going to have to play a young Dolph. In the flashback hey, stuff. That's and then and then we know it's Jake Gyllenhaal, but then his performance we don't ever see his age, you know, because we don't see his face, right? Right. So. I mean, Skeletor, we don't know if he ages at all. So yeah. okay, Jake, I I don't know Jake Gyllenhaal because he seems like he's more like Jared Leto Joker sinister okay. rather than which is which is probably true. Yeah, but I mean, we don't have Heath around, so we can't. Yeah. Go that Joker route. Well, and so. I I wouldn't think we would go either route. I mean, I don't know, it, but because I mean, are I you thinking somebody? You're thinking somebody more like old, like older, and has a little bit more gravitas to them. I was just thinking from... like a Frank Langella with a little bit more physical physicality. But if you guys are thinking, yeah, like young, creepy, like like Jared Leto sort of a style. I I, that, I think that's that what people are looking for in their villains these days. So I think it would be a good turn where you're kind of getting a hint of the cartoon Skeletor, right? But but then the, you know, so it is kind of more like like Weasley kind of you know creepy guy, you know, as so opposed I'm, to just like the over the Shakespearean evil guy that Legella gave us. Well, you know? and I think Jake could float the line between the two right. of them. Right. So I'm trying to picture <laughs> a five foot eleven Jake Gyllenhaal with a skeleton head against a six foot three Terry Crews. <laughs> Hold on. They make Maybe. Robert Downey Jr. stand eye to eye with Chris Evans through <laughs> movie magic. Right. Well, through movie that, magic I, and about three inch right. heels. Yeah. But they I, don't I think, hide very I think well. He Man being four inches taller actually works though. Okay. Yeah. I mean the only other person that I was thinking might be an interesting skeletor. I mean he's you know recently playing a big villain, you know, but is uh the the guy who played General Zod in Man of Steel. So Michael, Michael Shannon. Yeah, Michael Shannon. He I feel like he could probably give a pretty good performance and like, you know Well he's gonna be doomsday, so I don't know if we can get him. Oh, is he really? <laughs> is that what happens in the yeah. movie? You already are you are you spoiling Batman versus No, Superman these for us? are things you can find on the internet already. Okay. I had no he idea. He did motion capture for it. But does does that mean his body is seen, his face is seen in the trailers. This is true. Wow. I did not expect that. Ooh. That's crazy. So okay. Actually, well, I'm excited for that though. <laughs> but now that I'm looking at like he kind of has a skull-looking face already. That's he true. does. He does. Michael like, Shannon for Skeletor. I oh, we can go that route. Which movie is this? He plays his oh, he has made his film career playing unhinged oddballs. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much describes Skeletor. So yeah, we'll go with yes, Michael it Shannon. Does. Uh, if we I'm, can pry him yeah, away. I'm, yeah. then, I'm scared already. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's pretty. I mean, we've got most of the main cast here. I mean, the only other um, man at arms. Are yeah. we doing Tila? Are we doing Orko? Yeah. So I would hope we have Orko in there just again. Hopefully, you know, just a little comic I mean, he'll release, be CGI, but enjoyable. Obviously. Yeah. So who who would we want to voice Orko? I'm just trying to think. Well, Paul Rubens is making a comeback. Ah, come on. <laughs> he's on the rebound. I mean, it'd be kind of fun to have him in there. You know, like just he, he's given us some good voice work in the past. Jeff, so do you not... have any ideas? No, wait. What are we talking about? Orko. Orko. Are you sure we have to go with Orko? I mean... We, we were Isn't he kind of like the the what's his name from from Thundercats? <laughs> Snarf, Lionel. Well, that's what Cringer sounded like. Yeah, Snarf. they basically have the same voice. 
<laughs> I was reading somewhere that they said that they named him Orko and they put an O on his chest so they could invert any of the scenes that he was in and get twice <laughs> as much stock footage. That sounds about right. And you know what's yeah. funny is Lou Scheimer, the head of the studio, he voiced Orko. So it's oh, just wow. his voice all modulated. So he was he was playing Orko that whole time. But um Well give it to what's his name that did uh R through R three C four D four whatever, uh Bill Hader. Oh, oh, BB-8. Bill, yeah, Bill Hader would be yeah. good. There you go. He can do a lot of voices. He wouldn't be expensive. Uh, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's oh. enjoyable. We, we like some <laughs> Bill Hader. Okay. You got to have a little cannon fodder here. Bill Hader. And, uh, or oh. like the person that might be vying for it. I don't know. I don't know if like Simon Pegg is somebody's like, I want to be Orko. You know, like. Me yeah, with these. no. Or Seth Green. You know, oh. like Seth Green might be good. But but probably he probably doesn't have the right attitude maybe for the film. Uh, it doesn't. I think I'd like. I think I'd like. Which is and I were you? Oh, where was I? I don't remember where I was. I went to some sort of a convention and we met the guy that played, like, um, we met a couple of the people that played orcs in the Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. and almost all of those orcs were just stuntmen, and they just asked. They had like one line to read. So that's why I'd say, like, if you're going to throw a lot of Masters of the Universe in there, is that just, like, give some stuntmen uh, one line. I mean... Well, yeah, yeah. All, all the creatures. Uh, the all ki- the creatures yeah. and the bad guys. That yeah, that sure. would be the way to go. But I just like, wonder Fisto. if there's... I, I feel like what we do with those characters, like anybody who's like under makeup or whatever, is we really like you canvas Hollywood for the young 30 somethings like us who have the, the history with He-Man. They would want to voice a character and it would just be like extra publicity here. And yeah. There. Now, Tila and Man at Arms. I mean, I, obviously you want them to be there. Uh, it didn't sound like they had like a huge role in, in either pitch. But I mean, if you're thinking of Tila, I'm just trying to imagine like who would... Uh, Who's who's an actress right now that we would want to or give some somebody who's to. not an actress? Right, um, Ronda Rousey. <laughs> that that, that was where Ronda I was Rousey. going. Uh, yeah. I, I don't. I, I, she wouldn't have to do much. I just exactly. watched Furious she would... Seven, and I, 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 I was not <laughs> impressed, unfortunately. Oh, Sorry, Ronda. That that fight scene was. There wasn't any way that she was going to lose that one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I mean, it, as far as you know, Tila goes. I don't know. There's nobody that's like really jumping out in my mind. Like needs screen time. I'm trying to think of like an actress that I just enjoy. Well, like, anybody. But at the player. same time, you have to think like. Thor has Sif. Right. And she was a nobody up yeah. until that point. I think she tried out for Wonder Woman. So yeah. I, Honestly, like, I'm not super concerned with Tila or Man at Arms. Just okay. because, like, I feel like we've covered the core characters. Right. And, and I think, to me, like, that's all you, you need, you know, is is those main people that are in having the the dramatic struggle back and forth and the history and all that. And everybody else just kind of comes in and out. But um, I mean, your your bad guy in the in the movie is it just Skeletor? I I unless you guys like my Modulot character, who I I don't know if you guys knew he's a toy that he he was basically had all these arms and legs that you could assemble in different forms and two heads and all these. Pe- so that was my point was he could go in and like at all these battles he could just be assimilating weapons at different times or taking you know that might be a bad guy we save for another time. <laughs> but like you know you know how there's always like it's kind of sort of like the general Grievous you know he's not the main bad guy but he's like the bad guy who fights. 
Yeah. And Skeletor, you know, doesn't fight maybe till the end, you know, but <laughs> he could be the guy who's out there kind of terrorizing at some point. But I don't know. Uh, we don't have to have him in there, but he, I think he'd be a fun, <laughs> fun presence. You know, there'd be a make for a good toy. Might be something we look at. Yeah. Now, are we doing so? Then, which which angle are we doing? Killing an innocent and giving up his thing, or are we doing the which which angle are we going here? I think we're just going with the killing the innocent, like, and and that's just kind of he's struggling with do he does he want to be he man or where where does he where, what is his place in the yeah. universe and you know right. all of that I think that so I guess you if you're talking about that mentor character who we don't know yeah do we want that is, or. Or if we want, like, because, again, in, in the original cartoon, it was actually the leader of the tri- of the tribe or whatever mm-hmm. that He-Man stabbed. So I don't know if that, like, I mean, I guess he didn't pop up until the end of the movie, so it wouldn't yeah. really matter too much. Again, yeah, not a major role. I don't, I don't think that's a big deal uh, to worry about who would play that part. Just knowing, yes, there would be somebody in there who right. kind of frees He-Man's conscience. He's got to get stabbed well. Yeah. And, and we are just calling this Masters of the Universe, right? Like, if, if we're basically considering it a reboot, we probably don't need to. Well, we'll probably put He-Man and the Masters <laughs> of the Universe to kind <sighs> of separate. There you go. Yeah. It's so tough that, like, because like, let's be honest here. He-Man is maybe <laughs> the most ridiculous character name in the history of character names. So, and my guess is if I'm the what studio. What about She-Ra? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, they had, and I mean, they had the, the bank on Fisto and Evil Lynn and all of these ridiculous names. So, but if you're going to, like, put He-Man on a movie title, it's going to, like, really? I, I don't know. But at the same time, ah, I don't know. I don't know what else you call it. Yeah, um, I mean, I, mean I, th- I think it's just like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a ridiculous title. It, and if you look at any superhero, Superman well, is, like, point. sort of okay, but Batman... Spider Man, yeah. like when you really well, break Superman, it down, yeah, it's it's all dumb. Anything with you know, so like, Iron Man, yeah, but it's but it's awesome. awesome. We love it. It's how we identify our heroes, so we're fine with it. So and especially, you know, a proven property like He Man. Yes, there will be the teenagers like He Man. What's that? That's ridiculous. You know, like or or could we go a different route and call it just Castle Grayskull? But I don't know that. Or that's, just Grayskull. But is that is that the focus of the film though? That's a, it's it's right. He Man's film right. in this one. You know, like right. that's and that's, it wouldn't have the name recognition. Right. That's the only oh. thing. Like maybe for a follow up. You know, or He Man and Castle Grayskull. Yeah, but that just He-Man alone, I don't think either. Like, I think it has to be He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Like that. Like otherwise, you don't. It doesn't really have the whole package to it because you're like well, but, He-Man, the movie. Right. But then I, I right. do feel, for me at least, if I was gonna see a movie called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, I'd want to know why. Like, what is this Master of the Universe thing? Right, and they covered that in the 87 film. You right, know, they did. They didn't they were... cover the He-Man part, but they covered the Masters <laughs> of the Universe. Well, they didn't advertise yeah, He-Man. they left so. off yeah, exactly. He-Man. So. <laughs> but, I mean, and the Masters of the Universe, that could just be, there could be a speech within there, maybe, that the Sorceress gives, where she talks about... The you know, Sorceress or Grayskull. Yeah, or... Kid Grayskull, yeah, like, so whatever it is. I, I feel like that wouldn't be hard to work in just to justify right. the title, <laughs> to play it all in. But then, um, and then as far as poster art, if, if we're thinking about poster art, like... We're totally going to ape the, the Star Wars one, where he's raising the sword and... <laughs> yeah. 
So we do have to have yeah. a Tila that's draped around his leg or something? Or we have Skeletor know. draped around his leg. <laughs> well, uh, that's some fan fiction you're getting into, like some alternative <laughs> lifestyle fan fiction. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm sure it exists, though. Um, but but I, I don't know. Like To me, like I, I like the idea of the sword, like He-Man's sword. Like he man, half a He Man's face on one side and half a Skeletor's face on the other side, maybe. So you're kind of got the battle between the two. But at the same time, do you want to give away Skeletor's look before we get into the movie? Because if we're giving the backstory and how he's created, do you want to do that? I I think it's kind of, I mean. I don't know. Is it going to be that big of a surprise? Yeah, like Skeletor. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think that's going to be revealed ahead of time. You can't keep stuff like that secret. Hey, we're still waiting on Spider-Man. Okay, (laughs) that's true. Marvel's (laughs) doing a good job. Uh That's true. (laughs) Hey, we didn't see Luke until the last (laughs) two minutes of that movie. Well, but I I feel like I don't know. (laughs) Somehow they'd get out. So I just like half a Terry Crews face on one side, half of half a Skeletor's face on the other. I think I think we're in good shape there. Yeah, that's not bad. Well, what about, I was kind of thinking about something, especially if we're doing him becoming He-Man as well. Mm-hmm. What if we did like a like a sword in the stone sort of a thing where it's like, yeah, him reaching for the sword. Okay. Because so, so, I like yours, but just in addition to, like a, as a second poster. But at the same time, do we want to give away little Terry Crews on the poster? <laughs> <laughs> to get well, torn apart and like destroyed before that, we get into the movie. Yeah, you you well, you would have to have like Adam reaching for it, but then you'd have to have He Man behind him, like kind of not like ghostly, but you know, like a kind of faded out He Man. So you're you're understanding the sword turns him into He Man type thing. Like I feel like you, you don't you don't want to just that might be have, getting too too deep into it. Really? So you're thinking like a teaser poster, maybe, Jeff? I think it's it's just just the the... teaser where it's just, you just show He-Man like reaching for the sword. Oh, actually, here's a pretty good, this is kind of what you were talking about, just the arm and the hand reaching for the sword. And it's got to look like the one from the cartoon and that came with the toys. Yeah. It's got to definitely be modeled in that style. Well, good. I I mean, again, obviously, soundtrack-wise, it's just going to be a great score. We're talking about epic, you know, drums. Yeah. Can we do something for a new theme rather than just aping the Superman theme? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I I think we could come up with something pretty good that would uh, work out pretty well. I don't know if there's any composers we have in mind, but I'm sure they would... Give us something pretty, uh, pretty raw. You know, I'm, like I'm just... sure they could come up with something more modern of the the cartoon intro, mm-hmm. or something that gives just this faint hint of the heritage that it has. Yeah, through the cartoons, but a modern interpretation on screen. Yeah, Masters of the He Man and the Masters of the Universe, starring Terry Crews and Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't think anybody. Nope, Michael saw Shannon. That. Oh, Michael oh. Shannon. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. It's so off the wall that it's extra exciting. You're just like, really? It's, it's like the Ghostbusters thing. Okay, we're just going to gender swap. You're not going to yeah, expect we're, this. We're still just thinking that's probably a spoof movie. Yeah, we'll find out. But I mean, it's just like, it's still exciting. It's something to see. And so I like the idea of just 
playing with your expectations, but it still could be cool. Yeah. Like it's it's like, oh, this you don't know what to think about this. Is it a comedy? Is it a real good movie? And then they sell it to us in the trailer. It's a little bit of both, I I'm thinking. Yeah. They probably, there's there's yeah. gotta be a lot of comedy in this. Yeah, yeah. Just having some fun with the universe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea if you want a specific person to direct this or not, or we'll just kind of throw it up there and <laughs> You See know, what sticks. You know, I, I when I was thinking of directors, I'll just say the person that came to mind for me was Sam Raimi. I think he would do uh, a really because he knows how, like with the Spider-Man films, right. he managed the action and the in the humor, and he did a good job to give the humor to the characters. And I mean, we're casting them. it for him, so yeah. I mean, it, it would it'd be pretty fun, you know, to see. I, I was thinking my version, my '89 version. I was like definitely thinking Army of Darkness style. There'd be a lot of stop motion. <laughs> there'd be a lot of stuff like that. So. Sam Raby, come on. Mm. He does have a, a sense of humor about him. He does. I, I can get behind Sam Raimi. Jeff, are you in? Yeah. I mean, especially when you throw out Army of Darkness, as long as someone gets to tell him, think about this. Don't think about this other stuff. Don't think about Spider-Man 3. Continue <laughs> to think about this. Yeah. I think they, they could they could rein him in at this point. Yeah, he, he's had That's enough uh, fan backlash over the years. So... <laughs> So, with that, thank you again for joining us on this epic adventure through Eternia. We are looking forward to seeing you next week. Come on back. and We want to let you know that Justin uh, will be returning. We're going to get our swords and our uh, jet sleds, and we'll, we'll head on out to, to rescue our comrade. But just remember, we don't say goodbye. We say good journey. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Sequel Quest P.O.D. We hope you'll return next time when we discuss another film that never was. For more made-up movie fun, visit SequelQuestPod.com to see the schedule of films to be discussed in upcoming episodes, fan art submissions, and more. Follow us on Twitter at SQPod and share your ideas on our Facebook page. The films and characters discussed on Sequel Quest P.O.D. are the property of their respective studios and license holders. No copyright infringement is intended. A group of feeder... Wow, I can't speak tonight. <laughs> this is good. I've had a little too much of that cream and soda there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and lands on this planet... What's it called again? Galaxica? Good. Fantasia? Eternia. That's the one. <laughs> Lands on Eternia. I love it. Okay. I think it was one of the things that she tried out for, but like she's got a TV show now called... Uh, oh, what was it? I used to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Orphan Black? No, no. She's, she's got a TV show on NBC. I love it. Okay. What you got there, Jeff, for us? Oh, I just found, uh, what is this? According to this teasertrailer.com, they said that Mike Finch and Alex Litvak will pen a new He-Man script. Of course, that was six years ago. Yeah, so, yeah this I has been know. going on. Yeah, like, they they've been trying to make it right. forever. But yeah. they have, what made me think of it is that they have uh, art that kind of looks like you were describing, Adam, except oh, okay. for Skeletor and He-Man both have their swords, but they're like, looks like they're about to hug each other. It's, it's a little <laughs> But... Again, b back to Jeremy's idea. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is wonderful. I love it. We should say it all in unison. What do you guys say? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs>
Do you guys? What do you guys? I think? like th- I like that specific ending where you're come nope. on guys, this is my moment. No, no, <laughs> the end. I think that works. <laughs> Doesn't even have to be the blooper reel. Just let that be the end. 